0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
1: On DAB Digital Radio and 1089 and 1053 AM, Fight nights with
2: Adam
3: Catterall on TalkSport. Right,
1: welcome to the first Fight Night of 2018. Hope you are well. There's a lot coming up on today's show, Joining the studio very shortly by a former Supermantleweight world champion and man hopefully to become a two-weight world champion in the featherweight division. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, we're also going to be speaking to Billy Joe Son a man that we have lauded at the end of uh, 2017 as uh, the Brit that put in the best performance overseas. Uh, he'll be on the show just after half past ten, live from Marbella. It's alright for some at this time of year, isn't it? Make sure you stick around for that. Uh, Gareth Davies davis is normally sat with me in the studio, however he's not with me today because he's spending the majority of America... Uh, A majority of America? Majority of January in America, is what I was supposed to say. Uh, And whilst he's out there, he's picking up quite a few uh, top-quality interviews for us. He's been with Virgil Hunter a little earlier on today. He's been speaking to Chael Sonnen from the world of Bellator. Also, Kelvin Gastelum from the world of UFC. You'll hear them all on the show a little later on. So in the studio with me today is my man from the multi-award-winning Fight Disciples podcast, um, he's wearing a Triple G uh, t-shirt tonight. I don't know if that is in homage to Billy Joe Saunders, who's going to be on the show a little bit later on. He does, of course, Nick Pete. Nick, welcome back to the show. How are you, mate? Evening, sir. Very well, thank you. I've only just realised I've got baby milk stain on me
4: good triple g t-shirt nice, nice. So. I like that I like the way that you
1: well you know what I mean a lot of people listen to this show and they know that about the glitz and the glamour of the fight sports game and they think that it's all uh, diamante lead and track suits and various things like that but no it's not at the end of the day once we've talked about boxing once we've talked about UFC we go home and breastfeed as you do that's what <laughs> you do much, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what you get stuck into <laughs> uh, we are joined in the studio uh, by one of our favourites I think it's only fair that we don't introduce him we have a proper introduction for him take a listen to this
5: Catches him, and down goes Martinez! Three. And the legs are wobbly. Oh,
6: no! Left up to the body, and that did knock it out of Rendell Munro.
1: He's gonna have to look for that sucker punch. And referee. the referee has seen it now, and it's been stopped. He's unhappy, Oleg Yefimovich, but I think it was a matter of time. And Scott Quigg wins this eliminator. He does get the
7: stoppage. Can Quigg finish the argument here? He's in a bit of trouble here, Munro. He's got to really
3: suck it up and see if he can get through What is it? 45 seconds, another one. Down for the
4: second time in the round. Well, Joe Gallagher said he thought it could go early because Martinez does
1: make mistakes. Is it going to go spectacularly here in the second? Quigg just
5: teeing off and Martinez shipping a lot of punishment here and again! Queen is making an enormous statement tonight.
1: Look at that, his face lights up when we talk of him in that type of tone. It is of course the one and only Mr Scott Quigg, welcome to the show, how are you mate? I'm all good, thank you, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Listen, um, I think it's only fair that we uh, we allow people in to the back end of this particular show. All right, As, I, as, as Nick has just said there that uh, you've got baby sick on your top, I think it's only fair that we allow people to know a little bit more about our fighters that star on this show. We like to talk about their lives outside of the ring, alright my friend? You've just come from the Trafford Centre with your good lady Bev, yeah?
8: That's correct.
1: That's right. He's just joined us from the Trafford Centre. He's been there. Now, most people, for those that don't know about the Trafford Centre, if you're in London listening to this show, then it's a bit like uh, Westfield Shopping Centre. There's wall obviously, in Sheffield. There's They're all over the place. Big, big shopping mall, the Trafford Centre. Now, most people will go there maybe to get themselves some new threads, spend some of the Christmas money and all that type of stuff, get themselves a new pair of trainers and what have you. You've not been there for that, have you, Scotty Boy?
8: I have not. I've been there mm-hmm. for the... Uh... The pleasure of the arcade game, the bingo machine. <laughs> Brilliant!
1: <laughs> this is legit. So yeah, Brilliant. a
8: trip down to the Trafford Centre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before eh, to go on the bingo machine. That's
1: it. How'd you get on? Did you win any cash?
8: Oh, I was winning. I think I won four pound. Four pound <laughs> £4 and four free games. So it was a good. It was a good. It was a winning. good night.
1: Winning. Um, and uh, your aim, um, your main ambition, uh, as well as obviously to become a two weight, maybe a three weight world champion later on down your life. Your aim is obviously to purchase one of these bingo machines and have it at Quig Towers within by by after
8: this fight, hopefully this is the one. This is the one. I'm going <laughs> to. The order's going in. In Brilliant. the spur room. Yeah. And I won't be ahead of the.
1: That's it. No no, no more for, uh, need for a trip to the Trafford Centre. We are getting a bingo machine inside uh, Quig Towers, ready to play whenever you wish.
8: Yeah. No
4: PlayStation, just a bingo machine. Job done. Are we working on
1: a bingo sponsorship here? I was that's what it is ahead
4: of the vault. Well, well, it can, be, we're it can be
1: arranged, mate. I know right. somebody that might vo- voice one of those uh, particular ones, but of we'll course. We'll get to that right. a little bit later on. Uh, Bev is actually with us in the studio. Now, anybody that's listened to anything that me and Nick have done in the previous uh, past, with Scott Bev's always featured uh, as is his mum so therefore we Mm -hmm. like it uh, to be a family occasion she will be on singing some Whitney Houston she's told us a little bit later on in the show her eyes have just uh, dropped to touch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get on to fighting, man, because uh, you're in uh, the UK for a short period of time. Next Thursday, you're back out into the States because that's where you now reside. That's where you train. You're in the wild card with Freddie, doing your thing out there. Uh, we're going to talk about all that over the next half an hour of the show. If you want to get involved and ask Scott any questions, you're more than welcome to do so. At Adam Catterall on Twitter, you can use the hashtag Fight Night. Please get involved with that. Billy Joe Sonos will be with us as well later on in the show if you wish to uh, tweet him any questions too. Now... Hot rumours since uh, the uh, Christmas and New Year's period, my friend. I'm just casually flicking through my Twitter feed, Nick. I'm sure you were the exact same thing. And we saw our old mate's name flash up a couple of times. It was one of them that came out of the blue. We spoke about the featherweights quite a lot, haven't we, my man? It's a hot division. We mentioned Scott's name in there. It's a hot division. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, a little world title fight gets rumoured, and uh, you're telling us today that it's 99% done We Oscar Valdez for March the 10th.
8: Yeah, 99% done. All that needs doing there is the dotted line signing, and I'm very confident within by the end of the weekend that'll all be done signed and sealed, and then I'll head out to America next Thursday to start camp.
1: What an amazing opportunity, Oscar Valdez. For those that don't know, the current WBO featherweight champion, undefeated. He uh, he can whack a bit, can the kid? A lot of people are actually saying that this particular guy is the one that everybody else is avoiding in this in this division.
8: Yeah, I mean, I I believe that as well, John. Before before his last fight, in his last performance, he didn't look um, the destructive self as he was Mm. as he has been doing. But people was avoiding, you know. saying Joe you know, He's the man if, that I want you know he's the man I want or Joe you know, they was going after more for instance Santa Cruz Abnamares Joe mm. you know, the big names were potentially that's where the money is. Mm. So they was avoiding you know mentioning Valdez, His name obviously he's he's getting better and better and but you know me as soon as this opportunity
4: come up grabbed it with both hands. You say the opportunity come up though Scott but I know you were <laughs> sparring with Valdez at the beginning of twenty seventeen so did the opportunity come up or did you start rattling a few doors saying, come on, I'll have this kid?
8: Uh, like I said, the first camp I was out there with Freddie, you know, he was preparing for a fight the week before me. So it made sense. I'm one of them, me. You know, I knew potentially we could fight in the future, but at the minute I'm preparing for a fight, so I want the best preparation I can. And obviously spying with Valdez, that was going to give me great preparation for the fight against Simeon. And vice versa for him, he was fighting... Uh, the Colombian, so yeah. style-wise, it made sense, and I think we sparred four or five times. And I tell you what, there was belting spars. You know, you would have paid money to watch them. You know, we went in there and throw bombs away. Yeah, and I'm very. You phone com-
1: boxed him. You phone boxed him. You stood in the middle and just started throwing a bit of leather. Did you? But Perry,
8: put it one way: they, this fight gets signed and sealed. You know, when it on March the 10th, the fans were in for a real treat.
1: How are you feeling about i obviously you're out there now training in america yep. but this will be your american professional debut you you're on the telly out there this is this is the first time that you will make a ring walk in america How's how that feeling
8: uh i don't think it' will feel any different to be honest with you. you know i've always wanted to fight in america this is this is a, a big platform this is a massive fight they you know, he's built he's building him as a future star yeah you know top ranks building him you know it's the brand new TV deal with ESPN it's mm. going to be on you know, terrestrial TV over there it's going to be a massive audience so this is a massive opportunity to go out there and I put in the performance of John Macarita mm. and become a 2 weight world champion then. and a star in America that's that, massive it makes me a star and you know I've just got to like say get out to camp put the work in, hmm. and enjoy the night.
1: We, we've said this on many occasions when we've done programmes previously about m- making it big in America. You've got to yep. go out and got to do your thing in America. And what Top Rank done... Joshua, isn't it? No, know, Joshua's got to move to America to make it big to make well, the, the real money. But the one thing that's different between what Scott's doing and what Anthony Joshua's doing is because what he's just mentioned there regarding the Top Rank thing, Bob Aaron's little stroke of genius of doing the TV deal with ESPN. For those that don't know, we complain quite a lot about pay-per-view and various things like that, like getting in the way of fight fans enjoying fighters and getting to see fighters do their thing. Yep. ESPN is a free to... It's like putting TV, uh, putting it on BBC or putting it on uh, ITV here in the UK. ESPN's free to work. So therefore, I think it's in 90 million households or something yep. in the United States, something like that. It's massive. So your prime time, Saturday night, against the kid that everybody's building up as the next superstar of the division, yep. you go in there and do a job, like what we just seen with Billy Joe Saunders uh, against David Lemieux... All of a sudden, everybody's going, hang on a minute, this is the kid in the featherweight division.
8: Correct. You know, and like I say, you can't pass up opportunities. Like I said, and I'm very confident, you know, I'm going to do the job.
4: It's exciting, Look at Scott's... his little face. I love it when he, he gets like <laughs> all, all fired up. <laughs> I love it because he, it's like he's already read the script and it, uh, you see that behind Scott's eyes. He's like know what's going to happen mm. i've read the script i've been in with this kid mm. but it, it, we just mentioned it then build up to this fight you know it's in carson it's, it's going to be in california just over the border from mexico It's gonna be a massive following for him the kid's young he's undefeated you know the, all the the tv's behind them mentors behind them will you come into this kind of in their eyes as a bit of an underdog
8: well I, yeah to be honest with you i think i will be a slight underdog mm. um even though you know obviously i've been in the bigger fights i absolutely um more obviously, not more known over there in America, but I'm, I'm more of a more experienced, more experienced. Yeah, yeah. I've been in, like I said, been in the bigger fights, but I do think I'll be the the slight underdog. But this is a voluntary defense as well, yeah. you know. So obviously, with this being a new TV, they, they've had to pick a proper fight, but you've got to commend, you know, give them credit. Valdez's team, you know, they've picked a, you know, a real tough fight. Well, they picked a, you know, a,
1: well, they picked a former world champion. You know, That's what they picked you know for this fight. They, of course.
8: I'm gonna say so. They've not gone. They want to go out there and test themselves and, and see how good they are, you know. But obviously, I'm, I'm going to go out there and make them regret that decision. Mm. You know, I find you. Know, we're going to thank them for the opportunity because they didn't have to give it to me. So they've probably got confidence from. They might have a little bit of confidence from the sparring. Mm. I don't know how, but they might have. Um, but it's something that, like I say, it excites me and I can't wait to get out well, and start to a camp.
1: We're looking forward to it. Uh, March 10th is when it, uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll be finalised and we're hoping at some point this week we'll be seeing your little face on a press conference going, yeah, we're on it, we're on it, We're at it. Uh, and the bid to become a two-weight world champion. That is 9% done uh, with Oscar Valdez, the WBO for the weight champion. Uh, Scott's going to stick around, all right? So if you've got any questions for him, ping him our way. At Adam Catterall on Twitter, you can get us on the hashtag, uh, hashtag fight night. Uh, we're going to talk about his last night out in uh, Monte Carlo. I've no doubt he enjoyed himself. If he's into the bingo, the- Monte Carlo's the height of all yeah, that, isn't it? Cool, yeah that's exactly. what you can get all the chips and all that type of stuff because we were knocking about in Monte Carlo uh, he's also been doing a little bit of five a side I don't know if you've seen that he's been teaming up with Ricky Hatton. he's been playing some five a side with Ricky Hatton, attempting attempting yeah with Ricky Hatton, <laughs> uh, and uh, obviously Bev's here as well so we're going to let Bev slag him off for the last five minutes of our chat before we, let, we send him off Good. into the night and speak to him I want to Bev certainly. sing I no I absolutely, absolutely. it's happening mate it's I happening, it's happening. absolutely happening boys. absolutely yeah it's the first fight night of the year you're listening to Talk Sport You listen to Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Adam Catterall. Nick Pete with me tonight, and Scott Quigg also in the studio. Uh, Bev's here as well. Bev's uh, Scott's fiance for those that don't know, and she's going to be uh, giving some. Uh Uh, Basically airing all his dirty laundry a little bit later on in the show, so make sure you stick around uh, for that. Um, Now, uh, for those that don't know, if you've only just joined us, Scott hopefully will be uh, finalising his deal with Oscar Valdez this week to uh, take him on for his WBO for the weight championship uh, to become a two-weight world champion. That uh, is scheduled for uh, 10th of March in California. Uh, Last time out, you were in Monte Carlo. You're getting around you, aren't you? You're getting a few stamps in that passport, mate, aren't you, pal?
8: I am indeed. It uh, it It was a good trip out in Monte Carlo, something different, and
1: enjoyed the experience. How was um, the venue? We weren't out there, but when we were um, watching this on television, it looked quite a, a regal guy. It looked like a James Bond set, is what yeah. you were fighting on, mate, didn't it? It looked a little bit mental. How was it? Just some it guy in the corner st- stroking <laughs> a white cat and <laughs> stuff like that. No,
8: yeah. it, 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 don't get me wrong, it was different. Well, going from in April... The arena. No, Wembley. Wembley oh, right. yeah, yeah, First, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90,000 yeah, yeah. to then 400 people in Monte Carlo. There was a, yeah, a yeah. bit of a difference, but it was... I thought it was going to be a lot stranger than it was. But when I started to walk out, and you've got 40 head the balls from Barry making a lot of noise, <laughs> you know, it made it made for a good atmosphere and it got me all fired up. So like,
1: it was good. Like when you first started your career, no doubt. When you were back in the day, when you just kicked off your amateur career. Or I something felt like, like that. I was
8: back in the. Um, Social clubs is an amateur.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it did look really nice, though. The The, the oh, arena looked like yeah. proper oh, regal, was. looked really mint.
8: There was nothing out of place other than the you, forty. The 40 the lads from Bury that was there.
1: How long were you out there for? Did you get to enjoy much of Monte Carlo or not?
8: I was out there for a week. So, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. It was a place out there, obviously.
1: Hmm. Regarding the performance... Obviously, Freddie wasn't out there with you, and there was a lot made of that in the build-up, because obviously, for those that don't know, Freddie also trains various other fighters, one of which being George St-Pierre. He yeah. was training for his fight with Michael Bispin in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, he was out with Michael on that particular night. You were over here kind of by yourself, really. I know you had a few guys from the gym with you, uh, but not necessarily your it was, trainer.
8: Don't get me wrong, it was a, there was a lot made out about that, and it was nonsense, to be honest with you. I, I already knew that before I went out there, mm-hmm. um, and the reason why he wasn't, in my corner was not because he was with Saint Pierre, it's because Cotto was in camp. And yep. when Cotto was in camp, Freddie's not allowed to leave the US. Right. So that was that was the reason. It weren't because he was in Saint Pierre's corner. Mm-hmm. He was just went there because he was you know, he couldn't leave the US for my fight. Mm-hmm. But other than that, he would have been in, you know, in my corner if it weren't for Cotto being in camp.
1: How did you find it? How did you find him not being there? Because that's the first time that that's kind of happened, your head trainer not being there.
8: Fine. You know, all the work's done. Mm. You know, all the work's done, all the preparation's done. And even you can have your coach in the corner so that you've been doing all the camp with. And if you don't listen to the instructions, then it's irrelevant whether he's there. you've got to go out there and implement the game plan, what you're doing. And, you know, I had a lot of full confidence in the team that I had around me, Mm. Ernie, that I was working with over there. Uh, alongside Freddie, so he knew what we needed to do. Obviously, Darren Phillips come out. Mm. Um, so the, the team was, you know, I was well happy with the team and you know, very grateful for them, the way they played their part in it.
1: To be fair, it's a small hall as well. There were 40 uh, guys from Berry shouting instructions to you as well for, uh, to, 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 to carry out what they wanted. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. were, you, uh,
4: were you ultimately, obviously on paper, the performance fantastic, but on the night, were you happy with your, your night's work? Yeah, because you know, like, I enjoyed you showed, it. You looked like you showed them no respect whatsoever. You just walked them down and... It was... I didn't have much warm-up because
8: the McDonald fight went early. Yeah, yeah it did, um, yeah. I, I did expect it to go 12 rounds, so I was just doing a steady warm-up and then I went to the to come back and then next minute, the...
1: It really is like the small old shows. Oh, you're on, lads, Go on, on you're yeah, on. Quick. Knock
8: on the door, right? You're on, son. And so as I'm coming out, then obviously when I'm making the entrance and then you've got them forty head the balls making a lot of noise that got me all fired up. So I set off a bit quick. Yeah, yeah. Um and a bit excited, but he caught me I think he caught me with a right hand in the first round and he had no power whatsoever. Yeah. So that, that oh, You, thought you'd, mi- respect, you thought you'd
1: milk it, did you? Is yeah, that yeah. what he was? You thought, oh, you can't tag it's me, bit- right? I'll have a bit of but fun here now. you could see that watching it, as You could see like- that watching
4: it. You could see he'd hit you with his best shot and you'd kind of gone, eh. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. getting it now. i tell you
8: what he did have, though. He was tough. yeah, he oh, was. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. 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 Absolutely. He didn't want to stop. you know, He was brave and he was tough, but his corner were braver because they weren't for pulling him out, either. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm, that's no. what you don't want, a corner
1: that's braver than you. No, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely that. Um, you mentioned Miguel's name there, yep. and we've seen quite a bit on social me- media of uh, you and Mr Cotto in, uh, in camp, being around him as he was preparing for his final ever fight. Uh, we spoke about this in great length, there's no fairy tales in boxing at the end of the day, you don't always get what you want, obviously Miguel sadly uh, lost his world title to uh, Saddam Ali, but for you, as a young, hungry guy, wanting to achieve multi-weight success, Nobody better to, to be around than Miguel Cotto, is it? To there?
8: be to be around him for the last four week of my camp and the four week of the start of his camp, you know, it's it was just good to be around and see the professionalism of him, you know, even at that stage of his camp, still hungry, stage of his career, sorry, still hungry, still you know so professional, did everything. Didn't, didn't miss, you know, for instance, you see some fighters that they're quick to get out of the gym and sack yeah. the floor work off, but he didn't, he was in there and everything was structured and he didn't miss a thing and the advice and, you know, he'd watch me on the pad, he'd watch me sparring, give me advice, we were doing conditioning together. There's a know. brilliant
1: video of you and him and he's he's talking to you about body shots. It's, yeah. a, it's a fantastic video, I don't know if yeah, you? Yeah. If you've ever seen this, go on Scott's social media and Miguel's social media, it's on there, go and have a little bit of a nosy at it because it, it's just brilliant. I'm just imagining in my head Puerto Rican and Berry chatting to <laughs> each other in the gym, but it seemed to you seemed to uh, converse really, really well because the way that he was doing it with body language, you were getting it straight away. Throw that shot under the elbow into the bottom of the rib.
8: It sounded, we were very similar, you know, as in... Same you accent. Know,
2: so, <laughs> yeah. You do you know, sound a bit a, Puerto Rican now. The I'm like,
8: <laughs> with the professionalism and, you know, the way, you know... Yeah. When... You lived a life, both of you lived a life. Anything he was telling me I was soaking up like a sponge. The things that you've seen on social media is not ten percent of what I've you Picked know, got on my foot no what I've got on my phone. The 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 real footage that, you know, of what we were doing, yeah. you know. Walking you through certain things. On, you know and the advice that he would you know, I got was he's priceless. Yeah, is he he going to
4: stick around now? Do you think? Do you think he'll stick around boxing, Scott?
8: Well, he he promotes a few fighters, he's managing a few fighters, um, so I I do think he'll stick around
4: boxing. Is he staying in LA? Does he live in LA? Does he? He comes over. He comes over for does just for his camps.
8: Yeah, but when when boxing's all you've done all your Mm. life, you can't just let go. You can't just drop it, and and if you do, you'll soon come back to it Mm. because it's all you know, and and you know to to still put in the work ethic of what he was putting in in his last camp yeah. it shows you know the love for boxing still still there you know yeah. he's not fed up with it he's just you know his body can't do what, what his mind's to doing, to do? yeah,
1: what his mind's doing. Um, regarding, obviously, him now packing it in, I've no doubt that, uh, and in passing on these fantastic tips to you in the boxing ring, has he uh, given you any fashion tips? Because everybody that follows uh, Miguel Cotto on social media knows full well he loves his slippers, he loves his socks. Have you got any of them? Have you Are they knocking about round at Bev's bingo
8: partly, that's what it Does is. It, is he's, that what it? He's is? a big bingo, in the bingo I mean, We can be bingo pals if he's uh, into bingo.
1: <laughs> he's got unicorn slippers and all sorts of stuff, as oh, Miguel, hasn't he? He always rocks up in some wacky gear.
8: He loves pink as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, is that maybe the next thing for you? Maybe on this world title fight that's coming up, you can get some Miguel Cotto type style. I might turn up, to the,
8: turn up to the weigh-in with some unicorn slippers on yes. there, the way he did. Yes,
1: now we're rocking, mate. Now we're talking, aren't we? Um, I mentioned uh, just before the break that you've been playing a little bit of football whilst you've been back over here in uh, the UK. There was a lovely get-together, wasn't there? There was. At Man City.
8: Was, come um, on son
1: because you used to do a bit for those that don't know Scott in his younger days before boxing used to be able to do a bit you were at Burnley for a short yeah. period of time as a school boy I weren't,
8: I weren't a bad footballer and I'm, from <laughs> there's a story here kick back here no no from, back, here no, 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 <laughs> no so since Burnley released me at 16 yeah I've hardly kicked a ball Really? I've had, I've hardly kicked a ball because I've so really, never done five a side
1: or out like that. No, well,
8: I re, I really thought I was going to make it, and I was I was, I was gutted in yeah. because I'd been knocked back by a few clubs because of my size. I just thought, right, I need to, you know, just focus on something else. And at the time, I was doing Thai boxing, so that's what led me into that. Yeah. So I've not really kicked a ball much. I probably since the age of sixteen kicked a ball for an hour in total time, and I'm now twenty nine. Really? Yeah. Other than. The other day. <laughs> well the last a couple of weeks back.
1: Okay. Just explain what the other week was. It was like a charity thing, wasn't it? Yeah, Where was everybody a, was getting to, There was loads of lads like Josh Kelly was involved, yeah, Crawler were involved, there was a few Ricky Atton, teams. Yeah, yeah.
8: Um like Adam Booth had a team yeah, with yeah. Josh Kelly and Crawler, and Josh. Uh, so it was it was a good it was a good it was a good <laughs> day. But I know like what to do. My, my footballing brain is better now than it was when I was a youngster. Of course, yeah. It's mature, Except, yeah. Except so I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna be pretty good. At it. My touch might <laughs> my, my touch might be a bit off, but I got on the pitch, and I'm running around like an headless chicken. I don't like not, Bambi. Oh, listen, they passed me the ball. I was falling for the first two games. I couldn't stay on my feet, and I wasn't even getting tackled. <laughs> I was falling over. I thought this is embarrassing. And then the last two games, that's what modern footballers do. Yeah, it is, that's it? You, you you're it like you
4: like a Premier League player now? You
8: can't yeah. stay on your feet. Yeah, but honestly, so. The last two games though, I did a few bits, you know, a few little skillful bits that you could put in a highlight. Reel. Nice, nice. So YouTube I was stuff. happy with yeah. Stuff. I was happy with that, but other than that. I, I was trying to get. It's a good job we had no subs because otherwise I was I was trying to get myself off.
1: How was Ricky? Was he was he all right with the fitness? Was he still knocking about? Was he still doing a bit?
8: Age before he surprised me. Did he? You know, I just thought he, he obviously don't. He weren't running around like he didn't look like a footballer when he was still doing them. But yeah, like
1: Molby. That's what it is.
8: Didn't have a bad touch, but he did play well in that. He
2: filled the <laughs> goal.
1: <laughs> You're allowed to say that. If I said it, he'd fill me in. <laughs> Absolutely, you would. Uh, listen before you uh, clear off because I, I know that Bev's here and you, you we you, we actually interrupted your bingo playing night tonight so you can have a little bit of a uh, social time. you missed before you clear off back to America. Bev, listen, is he is uh, he um, since obviously come to the microphone? Don't be frightened here now, kid, because obviously last time we were speaking, obviously you were having the house done and getting everything sorted and all that type of stuff. He's been in America, loading himself, enjoying himself. You've been left at home, decorating, sorting it all out, being the 4 woman with the builders and all that type of stuff. Has he come back and made a mess? Has he made a bit of a pig's ear of the place? What's he been doing? Absolutely. Is he?
0: He's like, he's the tidiest person. He likes everything super, super tidy. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, meticulous, yeah.
0: But he's just, he's the messiest tidy person. So he messes everything up, but then expects it to all be like tidy within a second after him.
8: I don't think I'm out of order for doing that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> for anybody
1: who's listened to any chats that uh, me and Nick have done with Scott in the past, we know that you're very close to your mum. Well, yeah. my mum used to tie you up. I know, yeah. <laughs> that,
0: so, that's, that's what I mean. He's been spoiled. He's been spoiled.
1: <sighs> that's it. Is, she, is your mum not coming around and still doing the washing and all that type of stuff? Still doing a bit? I mean, come on, Scott. Be honest, lad.
8: Bev stood behind the door with a baseball bat in case she couldn't was
2: through. No, absolutely. To be fair,
0: you do your own washing. Yeah. Yeah. Does he? It does get it, out! Only because, like, he literally uh, comes in from the gym and he's got, like, a full washing basket yeah, full, full, full yeah, yeah. like, just straight out of his gym bag so it goes from the gym bag into the washer. What's like, Is he,
1: has he done any cooking? Is he any, into any of that? No, no. He
0: gets a lot from Wham, don't you? So you just, like...
1: Sponsor plug there, there you go. Yeah, fine. just microwaves them. Well done, Bev.
0: You're welcome, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> got to get the sponsors in, don't you? Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? you got to take care of the sponsors <laughs> exactly. they look after you. Did they, did they deliver to California? Did they look after you out there? He came
8: with you last
0: time, You
1: know what? He's a
8: diamond, to be honest with you. Um, he flew out last camp to make sure I was, you know, getting the right stuff and make, making sure that showed me how to
1: prep some meals. Hang on a minute. That must be difficult, mustn't it, eh? Where are you? I'll, co- I'll come and see you. California, you say? <laughs> yeah. No bother, sunshine. I'll be out there. Then he tells his business partners, right, I'm going to be off for a week now. Yeah. I'm going to go. S- I've got to deliver Scott's meals. Get out. He's out there having a crack, in no, it. I'm going to go to the fight as well. It's, <laughs> a, it's a Monte Carlo.
4: <laughs>
8: <laughs> the best it is is, he come out, made all my food, he showed me some stuff, you know, what I need, you know to make better, which will taste better, because obviously, me and my mum, just struggle to make something that's healthy to eat, so he shows us a few dishes and yeah, that, yeah. and you know you can't fault you know you can't fault him, you know. So he's very much appreciated because it's people like that that I do value a lot because yeah. they don't have to do that. John, you know, it helps me a lot. So when I'm preparing then for a fight, it just ticks another box to make sure I'm in the best shape I can be. In.
1: Top stuff, man. Top stuff. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure having you two in. Um, just quickly as well for people that are listening, in Barry, can they still buy fight tickets at your nan's chippy? The Can well, they get can they get yeah, they, to, can they get yeah, flights now to yeah, California can, from your nan's shipping? They can <laughs> they can
8: get tickets, um ticket info and I, I should have ticket news within the next week to two weeks. Or, yeah, week time. to two weeks. But okay, definitely cool. Joel, the more the more you get over there and so hopefully there'll be 100 head the balls over them That's from Yeah,
1: uh, he's Nantex card now by the way and uh, Paypal and all sorts of different types of payment in the chippy in Bury if anybody's been there you definitely need to go check it out uh, Scott what superb mate thank you so much for coming in Bev as well superb uh, we'll have news on uh, Scott's upcoming fight hopefully in the next uh, day or two uh, for that WBO for the weight championship against Oscar Valdez uh, coming up next we're going to be speaking to Billy Joe as Don't Go Anywhere you listen to Talk Sport Always reminds me of Klitschko, this, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, this this walkout tune now always reminds me of Klitschko. And that epic night at Wembley, but just in general. He always used to walk out to the chilies, did the boy? Love the chilies. Mm. Reminds
4: me of Amsterdam, I think, circa 2004. Amsterdam Arena, I think I went to see the Chilis.
1: I, I wonder what you were talking about there, mate. I thought you were talking about a different type of uh, event there, where you may, maybe just enjoyed yourself a little bit Chili's too much life. in Amsterdam.
4: Just Chilis live, that's enough. Don't that's
1: enough. want to elaborate? Story for a different day. Listen, it's uh, quarter to 11 of a Saturday evening. I'm sure people will appreciate a story like that. Or will we get taken off the radio? We
4: will get taken off the radio. Okay, let's there. leave it at that then. Let's leave it at that. Uh, for those that
1: don't know, you are listening to uh, Fight Night on Talk Sport with me, Adam Catterall. Nick Pete's with me in the studio. Um, my regular partner, Gareth A. Davis, he's out in America. Check this out, right? Gaza. he's having a month in America just enjoying himself. Well, he's going around boxing gyms and doing work for us is what he's doing. Yep. Uh, but in between it all, he's enjoying himself and That's, putting his feet up and getting a bit of a tan on. The life of the warlock, is it? Absolutely it is, yeah. You're going to be hearing um, some of Gareth's escapades uh, a little later on in the show because he's been catching up um, with... Mixed martial arts legend, Chael Sonnen, who's now in the Bellator, uh, in some weird type heavyweight veteran type competition, which we're going slash to talk about. Flash, heavyweight, yeah. slash. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. He's also been catching up with the guy uh, that broke all our hearts, all our, all the Michael Bispin fans of this world. Kelvin Gastelum knocked out Bispin in Shanghai at the end of last year. You may remember Bispin taking that on uh, very short notice after the GSP defeat. Uh, well, Gareth's been catching up with him uh, over in the States, and we'll try and get older Gareth as well, around about half past 11, uh, time difference-wise, whilst he's over on the uh, west coast of America to catch up on uh, that amazing story about Mike Tyson's cannabis farm. Have you seen that? I've seen it, yeah. It's t- a retreat as well. You can go oh. and,
4: you can go and stay there.
1: That's, that'll take you back to Amsterdam, that, <laughs> won't it, mate? <laughs> Pick the chilies again. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, now, right at this moment in time... We, we spoke to Billy Joe earlier on today. We said, Billy, listen, man, we're doing the Fight Night show. We want to celebrate you because you had, without any shadow of a doubt, uh, the best performance uh, by a British overseas fighter in 2017. We want to get you one. We want to celebrate it. We want to blow smoke up your backside. That's what we want to do. Lads, no bother. I'm out here with Big Tyson, enjoying ourselves in Marbella. We're training. I'm in camp. I'm ready. I'm fit, ready and able for my next fight. No bother. I'll be bored at half past ten. Give us a shout. We've just given him a shout. He's obviously out with Tyson enjoying himself. (laughs) Or maybe he's gone to bed early because he's been too diligent. Yeah, they've gone for a run. Gone for a a run. Uh, So we're going to try and catch him uh, between now and midnight. So stick around. Hopefully Billy Joe Saunders uh, will be joining us. But regarding that performance, you kind of alluded to it um, off air when we were talking to Scott at the start of the show. Regarding that moment of... There's always a moment in a a fighter's career which sends him into the stratosphere. Now, Mm -hmm. it might not necessarily be a performance in the ring. It might not necessarily be something to do with what they do with their fists. For Billy Joe Saunders, don't get me wrong, the uh, David Lemieux performance was world-class. He put on a school, he put on a clinic, he took him to Chinatown. Let's yep. be straight.
2: Absolutely. But it's the
1: meme. It's the, it, it's the one where he looks into the bleachers when uh, David Lemieux chucks that big right hand absolutely misses him by a country mile. And Billy Joe Saunders looks into the crowd as if to say, where did that go, son? Where's that landed? Exactly. It's that moment that sends him into the stratosphere.
4: That's it. And, you know, in the aftermath of that fight, yes, over here over in the UK, we were all just rapping about it. We were all saying that was vintage Billy Joe Saunders. He turned back the clock. This really puts him back on the map, you know, real. The best middleweight on the planet. Let's get him involved in that conversation. But the rest of the world, I'll be honest, outside of the UK, nobody cared about Billy Joe Saunders, Nobody probably m- knew much about him, certainly in North America. Obviously, there's, there's at least there's two other guys, and I would also throw Daniel Jacobs in there to being above him in the middleweight rankings, even though he's a WBO world champion. He's still behind Canelo, still behind Triple G, probably behind Daniel Jacobs. Most of America doesn't know who he is. He goes to Canada to fight Lemo. The bookies had Lemo as a as a bet and favourite. Yeah. They thought he was going to knock Billy Joe out and take that world title away.
2: Let's be
1: the end honest. of the Brits. Me and you sat here on uh, on this show and on our own personal show, yeah. where we said, "Listen, it's going to be tough. He's going to Canada. Um, David Lemieux can absolutely whack. We think it's going to be very very difficult." We both edged our bets and said, yeah. "Listen, I think it's going to be David Lemieux that comes out with that decision." How wrong were we? And yeah, I'm so delighted that we're wrong because absolutely. he put in a performance. But then we've we've. Gone on what we've recently, you're only as good as your last fight, yeah.
4: Well, that, that holds true in, in, in fight sports across the board. And in his last couple of fights against Akarov, against Willie Monroe Jr., he looked poor, you know, he didn't look like and he was a, out for a, a year as well. He didn't champion. fight in 2016, Inactive, did he really? Everything else, of course. So he goes to Canada. I mean, it just was not on the cards, except when you look at and you speak to Billy Joe in the aftermath now. And if you look at the build up again, how confident he was, mm. and that whole Sheffield camp, how confident they all were, it's kind of like they knew. The camp had gone amazing. They knew we are going to see the best Billy Joe Saunders. And absolutely, that one moment, sometimes it's, it's not even a punch. I think he, even if he stops Lemo in the 12th round with a good shot or whatever it may be, that doesn't go as viral. As that moment where he slipped his right hand, Prince the bleachers. Stuff like exactly. He looked into the bleachers to see where the shot had landed. That was incredible. And that took him to the next level. And for me, on a national, international level, that takes him above Daniel Jacobs now. Because hmm. everyone's saying, okay, well, this guy's the, the other world champion. Other than Canelo and Triple G, this guy's the other world champion. So if Canelo and Triple G aren't fighting each other on Sink of the Mayo, which we were led to believe they were, but now it's kind of like, will they, won't they?
1: Surely the number one opponent for either is Billy Joe Saunders. Well, Triple G for me, is the one. That's why I wore the T-shirts. You've got the Triple G T-shirt yeah. on uh, tonight. For me, I mean, this is how fickle fight sports is, how fight fans can be. And I'm one of those. Listen, Absolutely. at the end of the day, people on social media get stuck in when you make an opinion or whether you say certain things about fighters and you make a prediction on certain stuff. And You know, listen, I'm there to be shot at, and that's cool. I'm all right with that. I'm just a fight fan at the end of the day, and emotions sometimes do drive you in certain directions. Now, two years ago yeah. when Billy Joe Saunders... Shall I remind
4: you about Conor McGregor? You, yeah, you, all right, calm Conor yourself. McGregor's going to knock out Floyd Mayweather. On, shout. Why have you brought that up now? Because you've just said then people, you know, will poke fun at me and say outlandish things.
1: I'll never say that ever again, right? <laughs> anyway, regarding the Billy Joe Saunders story, two years ago when he beat Andy Lee and became yes. world champion, I said, listen, this guy is the best middleweight on the planet. He'd just beaten Chris Eubank Jr. Yep. He just—I uh, think he had a fight in between that and then Andy oh, Lee. Yeah, yeah. He beats Andy Lee, and you think—and he does a job on—and Andy Lee's a top-level, world-class fighter who can whack a bit. And he put a—he sc- put a school on in Manchester. It was absolutely sensational. Dropped them, didn't he? Yeah,
4: yeah. Early on, second
1: yeah. round, I think it was. And I said to him, I, "Well, I said at that time, this is the best. This is the guy. This is the guy to take on Triple uh, G. Because at the time, I think Canelo was a couple of weights below. Mm-hmm. This is the guy to take on Triple G." For two years, people have been laughing at me, going, what, you, do you remember when you said that about Billy Joe Saunders? Do you remember when, yep. oh, I mean, look at him now. Willie, did you see the Willie Munro fight? Oh, my days. As if you think he's the best middleweight on the planet, he'll get eaten alive. Now, this is why I wanted him on the show tonight, because then I just wanted to thank him yeah, for putting yeah. that performance in. So now I can say, oh, thanks, mate. Thanks. Because t- two years ago, I said something that's maybe looked stupid now for two years. But now, legitimately, I mean, even Scott then, as he was leaving the studio, we were talking about Billy Joe. This is a legitimate argument now. You can't you can't just sit here and go, well, Canelo's the best or Triple G's the best because of the debate just between those two themselves after the first fight that they had. Of course. Now, after that performance that um, Billy Joe's put in against Lemieux, there's a legitimate argument. People can sit in pubs around the land. People in the cars right now can have conversations with each other I genuinely believe that Billy Joe Saunders would beat either one of those two. Now, I'm not saying that myself at this moment in time. Just, just let me just retract a little bit, all right? But people can have that argument. And and it's justifiable. You can you can sit here and go, well, he's got the footwork to beat Canelo. Absolutely. Okay, it might be a little bit of a dance with... Uh um, triple G. G, G, but he might get Triple G at the at right time. time because Triple G's of a certain age now. He's, get, he's coming to the end of his career. Yep. There's legitimate arguments now to say that Billy Joe Saunders could be the best middleweight on the planet. I've said it again. What, what am I doing? I know, People Andrews. are going to laugh at me again now. He's going to come back my way on social media. But you know what? After, again, after a performance like
4: that, literally the standout performance by a British boxer overseas in in 2017. And, I, and again, I just want to reiterate the fact that we... A lot of people, even in this country, never mind abroad, no one abroad given much of a chance. In this country, a lot of people involved in fight sports thought it's a tough one. It's a tough stretch for him to go to Canada against Lemo such a big puncher and come back with his belt. But the performance was absolutely outstanding. And again, going into that fight, going into the Lemo fight, if you'd have said to me who wins tomorrow, Eubank Jr. in a rematch with Billy Joe Saunders, I'd have laughed in your face and said Eubank Jr. all day, he mm. will destroy him now mm-hmm. because the first fight, whatever the first fight was a close fight anyway. But Eubank Junior's stature in the last three years compared to Billy Joe Saunders, he's he's gone to a completely different level. However, that performance against Lamo, that little meme that he did, that look into the bleachers again to reiterate that was massive. If you've not seen that, you've got to go and look for it because it's incredible the way he does it. To do that in the middle of a world title fight on foreign shores just shows you how confident he was and how far and how and how and how well he was doing in the fight. But I think now after that performance, you've got to look at Eubank Jr and go, if they did a the rematch right now, it's got to be Billy Joe. You've got to think he's going to he'd box he'd his off again.
1: He'd outbox him. I think, yeah, absolutely. Even though I really rate Eubank Jr. we've got an absolute Massively. cracking fight coming up in February we, be between just. him and uh, George Groves, which we're going to be previewing in, in, in weeks to come, of course. Um here on fight nights and so make sure you come and join us on Saturday nights because Groves Eubank Jr. is probably the, the first out of all these fantastic fights that are coming up in 2018 that have got us really, really, really going. Just a, a quick one on the Billy Joe Sonas thing. How much of a shot in the arm did Frank Warren need that? Let's be honest, I because know. the week previous with Gale, yeah. obviously we've had, we've had a bit of a dodgy year 2017. 2016 was amazing. It yeah. was an absolutely amazing year. The fighter of the year, Ring Magazine fighter of the year in 2016 was Carl Frampton. He starts the year by losing his world title in 2017 and then it kind of, everything kind of went from that a little bit. Don't get me wrong, in April, March, April, we kind of had some good Standout performances. We had Belly beating here. We had AJ's fantastic fight against Klitschko. And okay, we had some good ones along the way. But yeah. we had Kel Brook getting beat off uh, Errol Spence. He's of obviously course. coming back now at 154 pounds in March. I think that is. Then you've got obviously what happened with De yeah. You need well, especially Frampton Frank. before
4: De Gale, Frampton looked rocky on his big homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then De Gale gets completely embarrassed in a in a in a voluntary defence and going into Billy Joe like it was like this could be a disastrous end of the year for Frank Warren because the link up with BT Sport it's huge it's great we're all right behind it 100% couldn't have got up to the world, worst possible start but thanks to Billy Joe whew, that was like Frank's Christmas present came early that night
1: all our Christmas presents came <laughs> early yeah, if you're a fight um, fan that was a Christmas present thank you very much Billy Joe hopefully we will get him before uh, 12 o'clock so therefore we can tell him and yeah, thank when you when he gets back from his run with Tyson <laughs> yeah 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 um, make sure you stick around there's quite a lot still to come on the show uh between now and midnight, including a trip to the Hall of Fame. We're going a little bit different actually. We're going a little bit different next. We're going back to the nineteen thirties. That's what the Woo! knowledge is coming out. Knowledge is coming out next on Talk Sport. <laughs> Uh, Now, on a week-to-week basis, we inaugurate somebody into our very own Fight Night Hall of Fame. Now, when I say somebody, this, this is a range of things that we celebrate in the world of fight sports. We've had individual fighters, we've had individual fights... I even put in Ricky Hatton's fans uh, because of his trip uh, to uh, Las Vegas, which you were one that of, my one friend. Then, yep. So you're actually in the Fight Night Hall of Fame really? mate, because you went to uh, uh, the Floyd Mayweather fight, which uh, Ricky took around about, well, the rumor is that he took 35,000 people, but I'm, I'm 350,000 Mancunians were yeah, there, absolutely. apparently. But it was about seven. Eight, something like that. I think, like so, that, yeah. I think that. it was
4: more for Pacquiao, to be honest. When I was out there for the Pacquiao fight, mm. there was more for that. Uh,
1: but th- that's what we do on a week-to-week basis. We take little moments of history that, like, on this day in boxing history, on this day in UFC history, and stick them into our Hall of Fame. So I've been scouring uh, around as to what we should stick in for the first week uh, of January in 2018. And there's a few things that we could have picked out, of which I'm going to kind of save till next week. And they're all in and around the heavyweight division. Because January, for the birth of heavyweights, mm-hmm. seems to be the month. Absolutely, This is the month of Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Frazier, if I'm not... And George Foreman, all yeah. born in this particular month. So I've no doubt at some point over the next three weeks... All three of them are going to uh, uh, feature. Maybe the trilogies and various things like that of when they fought each other in the 60s and 70s uh, will come to the fore. Uh, but I want to speak about a man that actually was in and around the era and kind of made uh, waves himself and became the first of a few things. Now, in 1935, on January the 4th, today is obviously the 6th, so it's a couple of days after, but you get where I'm going with this, uh, Floyd Patterson was born. Now, for those that don't know... Floyd Patterson uh, twice reigned as the heavyweight champion of the world between 1956 and 1962. At the age of 21, he became the youngest boxer in history to win the World Championship. Now, of course, we know that Mike Tyson has obviously taken that mantle off him mm. uh, when he beat Trevor Burbick and became the youngest heavyweight champion of all time. But before him, it was Floyd Patterson, and he was the man uh, that held that title. He was also the first heavyweight uh, to regain the title That's right, yeah. after losing it. Now, as an amateur, this is a geezer that won a gold medal in the middleweight division, 1952, Helsinki Olympics, and then obviously then went on to become the heavyweight champion of the world. He was the Ring Magazine and Boxing Writers Association of America uh fighter of the year and he was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame uh, in 1991. Now, I kind of like the story of uh, Floyd Patterson as I kind of like the story of the majority of heavyweights in and around this time and fighters just in general because they all have a, a story of how they've come to be to get into fight sports. Now, this geezer was mm-hmm at the age of 9, 10, 11 years of age, was involved in quite a lot of petty crime. It seems to be a a theme at this particular time, doesn't it, Nick? Involved in bad stuff on the streets, involved with the wrong people, getting themselves in trouble with the law, somebody pointing towards a boxing gym, this guy can whack a bit, next thing you know you're the heavyweight champion of the world. And Floyd Patterson uh, was the epitome of that. His record stood at 64 fights. This is another thing as well that stands out for me. Klitschko obviously has one of those records where he's had a boatload of fights, he's now retired. But you look at the majority of these younger guys, I mean, we've been speaking a lot recently, okay, it's a different weight class, but Guillermo Rigondeau, a man that's in well in his 30s, at the back end of his life life in the world of boxing, that's only had high teens. When it comes to fights, we're talking about Floyd Patterson, 64 fights, 55 wins, 40, by the way, a knockout, eight losses. And when I talk about losses, his last loss in his last fight was against the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. I mean, we can't speak highly enough of Floyd Patterson and he rightfully deserves a place, doesn't he? No,
4: of course he does. Yeah. And I think out of those eight losses, I think there's only, I think it's only against four or five different men. Yeah. All against the big boys. Ali, Sonny Liston. Yeah. He he lost to Ali twice, lost to Liston twice. You know, this guy's an absolute icon and... I think he was only six foot, and yet yeah, he, he dominated the heavyweight division. And of course, he originated from from New York, as you say. But he was he was obviously later at Mike Tyson, he was D'Amato's first real prodigy. You know, his first real superstar. So, um, incredible mark in boxing history. I think he was most famed for that the triple header with Ingemar Johansson. Yeah, uh, Johansson was like the first European heavyweight champion of the world in you know forever. You're talking an awfully long time. And uh, they they fought together. I think he knocked out Patterson in the first fight, Johansson, and then they rematched straight away. He got the victory in the second fight, Patterson, and then they had the rubber match straight away and he stopped Yo- uh, Ingmar Johansson the third time as well.
1: One thing that I did uh, like about his, um, his rise to becoming the heavyweight champion of the world is that it was done in a, a round-robin Competition, Do you like what we're experiencing now with the uh, World Boxing, Boxing Super Series, Series, which we absolutely wax lyrical about all the time and we want more of this. We want to see the heavyweights do this, don't we? We want to see the featherweights that we've just been speaking to Scott about do this. The middleweights, the super middleweights, which are currently doing it, and the cruiserweights are having a cracking time at this moment. Some wonderful matchups that we're enjoying. But back in the day of the 50s, when Rocky Marciano was the boy yep. at heavyweight, he announces his retirement, obviously relinquishes his belt, and therefore there's uh, there's five or six fighters knocking about at the time that could contend for uh, a fight so they had a knockout tournament of which patterson came through yeah ended up beating more if i'm archie not watching archie more yeah. knocked, knocked out archie Moore.
0: one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes
1: nice dress
6: uh, it's a it's a t-shirt
0: until you tried it on same goes for your health
6: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Become the youngest world champion of all time at that particular period before Mike Tyson took that mantle. I mean, that's sensational, isn't it? A proper knockout. The best of the best. Get in there and let's have a do. We don't necessarily get to see that enough nowadays, do we?
4: No, we don't. And as you say, it's uh, it's good that we... We kind of, is the sport going back to the future in that regard? Is this the, you know, the stories like this, is this the inspiration behind the World Boxing Super Series? You know, we were even off air talking to Scott about it, excitedly saying, have you heard anything? You know, we won a featherweight tournament to the World Boxing Super Series. And even he was saying, yeah, yeah, for that kind of money and for, get the names in there. (laughs) Absolutely. But in terms of iconic careers, you couldn't have a Hall of Fame without Floyd Patterson, let's be honest.
1: And there you go. There's our induction uh, this week. Floyd Patterson, the former youngest Heavyweight world champion on DAB digital radio and 1089 and 1053 AM. Fight nights with Adam Catterall on Talksport. Welcome to your weekly fix of fight sports on Talksport with me, Adam Catterall. Hope you are well. But the uh, festive period treated you well. Uh, January is normally quite quiet. Uh, for the world of fight sports It is definitely this year anyway uh, Jorge Linares is back in action uh, At the last weekend of January We've got UFC 220 to get excited about With big Francis Naganu Aiming to become the heavyweight champion of the world Taking on Stephen Miocic in a couple of weeks We'll be previewing that as we build up towards it February is where it really gets underway In the UK with Groves Eubank Lawrence Okoli taking on Isaac Chamberlain As well at the start of the month Should be an absolute crack in February And you can hear it all here As we preview it all here On fight night. Uh, Gareth A. Davis, uh, my trusted partner, has decided to take the whole of January off. Um, well, I said take it all of January off. He's gone to America for January, all right? And he's doing a bit of work out there. So Nick Pete from uh, the Multi-War Winning Fight Disciples uh, podcast is joining me in the studio tonight. We're going to be uh, discussing various other things over the next hour or so. If you want to get involved with the show, you can. At Adam Catterall is the uh, Twitter handle. Just ping questions my way for various things in the world of fight sports and we'll try our very best uh, uh, to uh, answer those questions. You can also use the uh, hashtag, hashtag Fight Night. Uh, now, I mentioned Gareth's out in America. He's been catching up with various fighters. Uh, One of which, if you're a mixed martial arts fan, uh, was uh, Chael Sonnen. Now, you'll be familiar, if you're a mixed martial arts fan, with Chael Sonnen. If you're not familiar with him, stick around, because me and Nick will will, uh, tell you all about him in a minute. But he's got a cracking fight coming up with the geezer that played B.A. Barakas in the remake of uh, A-Team. He is actually an MMA fighter, he's Rampage Jackson. But this is what Gareth and uh, Chael Sonnen got up to in the States.
6: You know, he's been quite nice. You never you never know what Rampage you're going to get. I don't know if I if I caught him on a good day or what. But, uh, uh, yeah, Rampage was quite pleasant. Look, you know, you have to understand, too, this is a little bit different format. It's a tournament. Like, I, I just got asked, hey, if you beat Rampage, are you going to call out Fedor? And, and But it doesn't work that way, Gary. It's a tournament. So there's no animosity. It's just it's a tournament. You get matched up with whoever... Advances. It's it's not the same thing as a, a regular fight where two guys want to fight each other and they call each other out and they go settle their business. It's a tournament. Hmm. So you, you just take on whoever's in front of you. So, um, But yes, I agree and I was surprised, but Rampage was quite the gentleman.
3: It, it's always going to be, a t- you know, people. some people might say, you know, Rampage has passed his best or this, that, and the other, but he's got a lot to fight for. We know he's got young kids still. You've got young kids. You've both got a thriving careers and and you're both gr- huge personalities um, as and celebrities in, in, in the sports world and the, and the combat sports world, there they are in the background, never far away, of course. Um, That's right. Um, the, the, the funny thing is, it's a really important fight for both of you, this, and Rampage is always a challenge. We know he has danger in his hands. We know how he's fought the last few years, and, you know... I, I see it as a similar kind of fight for you as as one against Vandalay Silver in a sense. Without the anger, maybe.
6: Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, Rampage is a tough night out when he weighs 205 pounds. Rampage at 255 pounds. Mm. Uh, you know, you talk about his hands. Yeah. I mean, Rampage has put plenty of men down. And I, I won't be any different if he can connect the right way. Uh, I, I don't... I don't overlook that at all. I don't totally know what I'm getting into. You know, I've never fought heavyweight and not just with rampage. Me you could put any one of those guys in there. I never fought a heavyweight. I've wrestled plenty of them, but only in the practice room. Mm-hmm. I've sparred plenty of them, but only in the practice room, not, not with full power and full speed and everything on, on the line in front of the people. So, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a different atmosphere for me too.
3: Um, Obviously, you're deeply involved in Bellator as well as all the other things you do as a broadcaster and your podcasts and so on. There's a lot of talk about Conor McGregor and I know you've had things to say about it as well on your broadcasts. I mean, is there a sense that, you know, um, for the, the first athlete ever is almost being able to hold the UFC to ransom in a way? Because he clearly needs to either defend his title or not.
6: I don't know if you're wrong in any direction. You know, Connor is a man of honor. He, it means a lot to him to be champion. I remember how furious he was when they stripped him of the 45-pound belt, uh, a division he was never going to return to, but he thought he should have been able to hold it a little bit longer than they allowed him to. And that meant something to me. I mean, that was a guy that's very proud of his accomplishment and didn't want to relinquish it without a fight. And Damn. you know, Connor is an animal. And if, if you insult him the right way and back him into a corner, he's going to come out fighting. But, you know, you do have to find those buttons. And it's very common for a guy to mark out for his own gimmick. I mean, we've seen this in all walks of life. And, you know, Connor isn't this this rich, money, blah, 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 all these things. That that was a character he developed. But over time, what do we see? We, we, we see those actors taking on those roles and getting confused. The lines get blurred. And mm. all of a sudden, he thinks he's a, a Mr. 100 million dollar guy.
3: Um, it's like a self fulfilling prophecy in a weird way. Um, yeah.
6: And, and so, you know, when he, when he starts to forget and not be able to separate Conor McGregor, the competitor, with, with Conor McGregor, the marketing tool, then, the, you know, it's, it's really tough. It's tough to see. You know, I've, I've seen some really competitive things done by Conor, some heavy lifting, and some willingness to be a, a team player and, and represent and uh, do things for the people that created him and brought him along and made him. And I've also seen a Conor McGregor that's Steve it out a little bit like a lot of these fighters do. That get confused and think that the shoe's on the other foot, think that they made the organization. And, and you see that, too, and it's a tough mentality, and that's that's Dana's plight. It's, it's why he's so good, is he, is he can manage and deal with some of these idiots. And, uh, you know, we'll see where Conor goes with it. I tend to think that he's going to come back, and I, I don't think that he beats Nurmagomedov, and I, I'm not sure he beats Ferguson. But I don't know that he would agree, and I don't know that he would care. Uh, you know, there was a time when he was a competitor and would have walked out there anyway, they put his skills against the other man's, and the fact, I can be tipped to that as a shot of whiskey.
1: Uh, now, for fans that are new to the world of UFC, maybe through listening to us on this particular show, uh, gassing on about it on a week-to-week basis, you might not be too familiar uh, with Chael Sonnen. He is a legend of the game. He's getting on a bit now, his Chael. He's fighting in Bellator. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had many meetings with him down the years, haven't you, yep. Chael? He's, he's fantastic as a personality. He's, he's definitely at the twilight of his career, but he, he made some big shakes in the UFC. Uh, when it first came to fruition.
4: Yeah, of course. When I was uh, editor of the uh, the biggest MMA magazine in the world for a couple of years. Um, Do you want to pick I, that name I put up? him on the
1: cover. Do you want to pick that name up? What are you doing? Name dropping
4: on here. I put him on the cover. And, uh, I, and we had to cover <laughs> You know, the, the ultimate trash talker. He was. He, he changed the game in terms mm. of MMA in the last few years, in terms of bringing in trash talking. And this was a guy, he was just a run of the middle middleweight. He was very good at it, though. But suddenly he just started talking and attacking everybody verbally. And he talked his way into world title fights. And he became... Came, You know, before Conor McGregor came along, he became arguably the greatest trash talker the UFC's ever seen. But then we got Conor McGregor and mm. the world changed.
1: No, absolutely. Um, um, now, obviously, Chael's involved in Bellator, as Gareth was yes. just alluding to there because he caught up with him whilst he was out in the States. Uh, now, Bellator have got an interesting competition going on at this moment in time, which... For anybody that is a massive MMA fan, like me and you are, and I'm sure there's people listening to this right now that are, and have followed it for many, many years, it does wet your whistle a little bit. This particular uh, competition because so, it's got statistically. yeah, in a you weird know, way, yeah, because it's got legends of the game. It's got guys yeah. that inspired us as maybe kids or young men that got involved in the MMA. Yeah. It, these are the guys that you watch first of all, so you've got romantic feelings towards them, not in a weird, like, kind of want to hug them type way, but you know what I I mean? You've got, you romanticise about them. That's my favourite fighter from back in the day. I want to see them fight and do their thing all the time. It's like certain footballers, like, everybody will always feel a certain thing about Gaza or, or well, G- Georgie Best say, or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? This Bellator tournament
4: is exactly that. It's a Legends Tour. You know, but it's not labelled as that, They're though. billing it as the, as the World Grand, World Heavyweight Grand Prix or whatever. Nonsense. It's, it's kind of like a Legends Tour. So imagine if, you know, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, they all play at the Manchester Arena or the O2 Arena yeah, yeah. and they all have a club down there and Chelsea... But there, Kenny Dalglish plays. Dalglish is in and, yeah, yeah. and Robbie Fowler's up front and... You know, maybe it's our generation. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to that. What right. a day out that'd be. Whereas the, you know, the the. But generation... when you actually go
1: and watch it, it's really slow and well, exactly. quite rubbish. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a with, due, with all due respect to but
4: you the, want to see it yeah 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 because yeah. listen there's a guy called Fido Emelianenko in this tournament and this guy was the biggest thing in mixed martial arts before Conor McGregor was even out of short shorts so that's why there'll be a yeah. lot of eyeballs on this event
1: Google Fido Emelianenko's name right yeah. when you look at him he just looks like a pub landlord He looks pub doorman just looks like the normal dude on the street doesn't he you know what I mean he's not got a six bike he's got a bit of a gut on him let's be honest but he did used to fight any speedos didn't he and absolute he Russian was, icon. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Putin
4: made him the Russian sportsman. <laughs> he did as point. well.
1: He did as well, yeah. But there's other guys in there. I mentioned Rampage Jackson's name there. He's a guy that, uh, if you've watched the A-Team reboot film uh, from years ago, he was the guy that played B.A. uh in that particular film. Rampage, a legend, again, of the mixed martial arts world. But again, making his, um, his, uh, his efforts now in the in the world of Bellator. It is a legends toy. Yeah. It is quite... I am listen I'm watching it with one eye mate at this yeah, moment in time because well, all these
4: guys in it are either you know light heavyweights and heavyweights that have had their day or couldn't make it quite in the UFC at title level hmm. they've gone over to Bellator it's an intriguing tournament for hardcore fans but outside of that you know there's there's not going to be a lot of interest It's probably even going to be on UK TV
1: hmm. um, one man that is making uh, waves in the UFC and we've kind of we've kind of had a go at him a lot over the last year on our show Um, because we're unsure about what weight he should be fighting at. Now, at the end of uh, 2017, he took on one of our icons in the UFC, the former middleweight champion, Michael Bispin. Bispin took this fight on such a short period of time. Uh, Originally, Kelvin Gastelum was supposed to fight Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva got popped for PEDs. He ends up taking a Bispin fight. Uh, at two weeks notice and he knocked Michael Bispin out in the first round it was a sensational shot the guy's got heavy hands but is he a middleweight is he a welterweight we don't know we'll talk about that again in a minute because Gareth over in the States has caught up with Kelvin and they started uh, by talking about him beating Bispin
5: I mean I, I feel like he had nothing to lose but I mean looking at looking back at it now I mean it was it was a big mistake for sure you know Back then, I was excited, I was glad, I was happy about the replacement. But Looking at it now, I mean, it, it was a it was a mistake on his part, I feel.
3: So, so for you, it was just another name that you could notch on?
5: Right, well, you know, how do you go from from fighting the greatest of all time to fighting, you know, Joe Schmo? I just wouldn't let it happen, you know, so I wanted the next biggest fight.
3: But it's been a pretty amazing run, really, um, you know, Henricks was a, was a catchweight, then a victory over Tim Kennedy, a victory over Peter Belfort, obviously no contest eventually, we can come to that, but a, a, a very competitive fight with Chris Weidman, um, even though you, you lost in the third round in that fight, and then a, a terrific knockout, highlight reel knockout against Michael Bisping in, in November. Um, which brings me, Calvin to, you know, first of all, what did it feel like making history in Shanghai and, and, and being the first... Headliner in in a main event in in uh, in in mainland China.
5: That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I felt like I was privileged, so I definitely enjoyed it. You know, these opportunities don't come often, so I definitely made the most of it and and really enjoyed it, really embraced it. Um, You know, I feel like the the, the, I felt like it was just a a repetition of what of what we had done in in Mexico and Latin America. Because when I went there, I mean, I remember just. Being a co main event under Fabricio and, and Mark Kahn, and we were just spreading the news and doing a lot of promotional 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 work for it and I feel like it spawned a lot of Mexican fighters and I feel like this event kind of did the same
3: obviously two two one UFC two two one uh, February time is going to be uh, 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 Robert Whitaker defending the the title against Luke Rockhold. Um, wh- where are you physically at the moment and, and, and when do you expect to be out again and who do you think you'll be facing? I mean, you sit at number six in the division at the moment. Um, wh- 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 who and where do you think you may be fighting next?
5: You know, what? at the moment, I have no idea. Right now, I told my manager, don't even, don't even call me during the holidays. So. But I think ultimately I want, I want the number one contender, whoever it may be at the time.
1: He's kind of earned it, Annie, a little bit, Kelvin Gastelum. Um, The the thing that me and you have have discussed on many occasions regarding Kelvin is... Is he a welterweight or is he a fat middleweight? Is basically where he's at this moment in time, and well, is that's he, not is for he me. A fat
4: welterweight or a middleweight? Yeah, sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's not me being disrespectful. No, it's just that he's had massive problems getting down to obviously welterweight, hasn't he? He's missed it on a couple of occasions. He was forced to go to middleweight. UFC and
4: refused to let him fight at yeah. welterweight anymore because he kept missing it.
1: And now he's fighting at middleweight, but he's still knocking kids out.
4: Yeah, he's and been, that's a tough he's thing been to been do. Top
1: contenders in middleweight, so. yeah.
4: But well, he, is, he just knocked
1: out the former middleweight champion of the world out
4: Bispen, Yeah, exactly. But then when you've seen him fight Chris Weidman, the fight before that, he got submitted in the third round. It looked like a middleweight against the fat welterweight. So he's in such a weird position right now. And you know what? I think 2018 could be massive for Kelvin Gastelum and guys like him because I think 2018 we might see a new weight division or two in the UFC.
2: Do
1: you
4: think? I think we might see the the insertion of a potential like a cruiserweight, a light middleweight between well, welter and and because at the moment you go 155 to 170. Yeah up to welterweight, and then you go from 170 up to 185. Yeah. Now, these are the densest weight, you know, humanity tells you in the Western world, height, size, weight differences. Most guys, are kind. Of, the biggest bracket is between 155 and 185, yet there's only three weight divisions there. If you go lighter, there's, there's one every 10 pounds. I think we may go 155, 165, 175, and then the 185. Makes more sense, doesn't so it? It would make more sense to have an extra division. And that 165 weight class, uh, that 175 weight class, could be absolutely perfect for someone like Kelvin Gastelum.
1: Hmm. Could be interesting to see how that pans out with him. Uh, there's a lot coming up in the world of UFC. Now, I appreciate you listening to this, right, at this moment in time. You might be more of a boxing fan. You might be only a boxing fan. Um, but there is bits of mixed martial arts that we do scatter into this particular show. And I'm not saying tech or advice on watch certain things, but there's a certain there's a certain fight coming up um, at UFC 220 yeah. that we would thoroughly recommend to you. Of course. Now, One of the things, and I've said to uh, Nick on many, many occasions, Nick's Nick's probably more of a fan of mixed martial arts than I am, Um, mainly because I can't stand the wrestling side of it. I'm not a big fan of collegiate wrestling.
4: And that's why a lot of people who may be listening to the show now might be going, you know what, not really my thing because... We're European. We never grew up with college wrestling. We never necessarily grew up with jiu-jitsu or a lot of grappling arts. Yes, judo is quite big in in Europe, but the the grappling arts aren't really massive over here. But if you watch MMA in Brazil, where Brazilian jiu-jitsu is huge, those fans there aren't really interested in the stand-up. We prefer the stand-up. That's just, Absolutely.
1: Culturally, that's what we're all about. This heavyweight fight that we're going to sell now yeah. is all about the stand-up. And that's why I was leading on to that because my obviously I'm a boxing fan that now likes and loves a little bit of uh, UFC and mixed martial arts, but the thing that attracts me the most about mixed martial arts is the stand-up game. Guys that stand and bang. That's why I like Conor McGregor because his game is all about whacking people. Simple as that. There's a fight coming up, UFC 220. We're going to talk about it next. Make sure you stick around for that between Francis and Garnu. remember that name, and Stephen Miocic, the current heavyweight champion, it is going to be electric. It's happening in a couple of weeks. We'll tell you all about it next. Do not go anywhere. you listen to Talk Sport. <laughs> Uh, that we have chosen to play some chumba Woman coming out of the break because yeah. we're about to talk about two heavyweights that are going to knock each other's block off in a couple of weeks at UFC 220. Um, I also want to talk about Carl Frampton in a minute as well because he's got a great fight coming up against Nanita Donair, an absolute legend that's sport, a guy that you could probably argue is one of previously, the pound-for-pound pound best in the world. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that in a minute, back to the world of boxing. Right now, in the world of UFC, I said that I wanted to just promote something and, 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 and put it into your ether. You might not watch it. You might just watch the highlights of it. You might oh, come you back. We'll
4: watch the highlights of
1: it. You might come back and listen to us chatting about it. Uh, but there's a fight coming up, UFC 220. In fact, I tell you what, I'll wet your whistle. Right, go back to UFC 218 and go and watch Francis Ngannou against um, uh, Alistair Overeem and just watch the knockout. That's all you need to do. Just watch the knockout in that fight. That guy that wins that fight, he's fighting the heavyweight champion next at UFC 220. That will get you excited. Then type in Volkan Usimir, right? Hard to pronounce, hard for me to spell as well. But he's been knocking out kids for fun as well. In the light heavyweight division, he's taking on uh, the light heavyweight champion in Daniel Cormier. You might remember him from fighting John Jones. Those two fights are happening on the same night, on the same bill, back to back. You definitely want to watch at least those two fights on this bill. It's going to be a cracker, isn't it? It's
4: going to be an absolute belter. Yeah. Talk about fireworks, and uh, you know, with the, I thought the UFC was a bit slow to get started in 2017, but they are not slow to get started in 2018 because this double header. I'm predicting is kind of insane.
1: I'm predicting two knockout of the year contenders on the same night. So
4: then, what you're saying then is you're expecting two upsets?
1: I'm expecting two new champions. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yes, I am.
4: That's insane. They're on a
1: tear. Both of them are on a tear. They're the guys, to be fair, Stipe's on a tear as well. Yeah. But phew, I ain't backing against Francis Ngannou. Have you seen the size of his hands? They're as big as my head. Oh, he's a monster. He's an absolute monster, yeah. <sighs> Completely. Anyway, we, we'll, we'll preview that as we get closer to the event in a couple of weeks, all right? Because that's probably the first big fight night before Jorge Linares defends his yep. crown on the 29th of January. If you
4: don't like MMA, you just love boxing, but you believe me, you will love a knockout. Go and Google Francis Ngannou's knockout of Alistair him. and you will watch... UFC 220.
1: Uh, now, earlier on in the show, we had Scott Quigg in the studio with us. Obviously, a man that he has been in the ring with previously is Carl Frampton, both yeah. now knocking about at featherweight, both wanting to become world champion once again. Uh, Scott, it looks like he's going to get that opportunity as he takes on Oscar Valdez for the WBO featherweight championship. Um, we are now um, know full well that Carl's next fight uh, will be against Nenita Denaire. Um, A former four-weight world champion, if I'm not mistaken, a seven-time world champion. This guy, back in 2011, 2012, many would say that this guy was the best pound-for-pound, or or definitely in the chat, he's definitely in the conversation of the best pound-for-pound fighters on the planet. Now, okay, he's getting on a little bit now. I think he's 35 years of age, he's Nanita Donair. He is a Filipino. Uh, Same as Manny Pacquiao. I think he's the second, actually, Filipino to become a four-weight world champion off the back of uh, Manny Pacquiao. The guy was absolutely tremendous. Tremendous, tremendous fighter. Fought the likes of uh, Rigon and various people like that. Anyway, him and Carl Frampton are going at it. Uh, in April, if I'm not mistaken, my friend. The original date was the 7th, but I think it's been knocked back a couple of weeks. I think it's the 21st 21st of April uh, in Belfast. It's going to be absolutely (laughs) booming, absolutely buzzing. This is the level of opponent. I don't care where he's at in his life or a stage of his career. The resume tells me everything I need to know about Nanita Denae. This is the right man for Carl Frampton right now. Do the business, get the win. Your next fight is for a world title.
4: Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's no denying that fact.
1: But. What do you, you mean, know, but? What but, do you mean, but? And, and We're Carl Frampton fans. What are you doing, man? Oh, we are Carl Frampton fans, absolutely. But. We're allowed bias on the show. The, Don't the, sit on the fence here. Benito
4: Deneir is no stepping stone for anybody. I am telling you now. And that kid will be going to Belfast to cause an upset. He is not going to Belfast for the paycheck guys a four-weight world champion the Filipino flash he's like a national icon over mm. there if it wasn't for M- Manny Pacquiao this guy'd be the next president you know that's how big he is. He's hugely popular. He's got a massive legacy behind him. If you look at his career, I think he's lost four. One of those, I think, was we'll forget about it. I think it was like his second last, fight, second fight,
1: second fight and in a five rounder unanimous decision. It was something like that.
4: And then he's lost against You know, he's lost against Rigondo. And, yeah. You know, he lost against good people. So and um, and late on in his, ca- his career as well,
1: Walters as well. All yeah, the bi- all the, the the, all the guys that have just been beating off Lomachenko. This is how good Lomachenko is. Yeah. These are the guys that he's just currently but these lost the, against. But only in Jesse Magalano, I think, is, 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 is he got beat of last, last like two Delano. or three
4: years though for for ten years this guy was undefeated you know yeah, yeah, on yeah. an undefeated tournament and was collecting belts left right and centre so I, I don't know I, you know obviously Frampton last time we had this big homecoming back home and everything else for me didn't quite get catch fire again um I think there's a lot of pressure. Do you know on what I think? This time of do you know dinner? what I think? I think this Massive is featherweight division. I'm going to be honest with you.
1: I think there's a with with Carl. We spoke about Billy Joe earlier on in the show. I think there's a lot of similarities between those two. Yeah. These are. They're obviously elite-level fighters, and there's no dispute about that. But what I think they both need, as we saw with Billy Joe with the David Lemieux fight, yep. and as we saw with Carl when he fought Scott, actually, in Manchester, and against Leo Santa Cruz, what I think they both need...
4: First fight, Leo Santa Cruz.
1: Oh, Even the second fight, you know, he, he was still in it. It was a great it. fight, yeah, yeah it was of a great course. Fight. But what I think they both need is that fear factor to yep. get them focused. With all due respect, last time out for Carl he knows that his opponents are level below him. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, mentally, I mean, I'm not. I'm just guessing here. I'm totally guessing. But this is how I imagine it. And, I, and I said, I've said this about Billy Joe. Over the last two years, the guys that he fought, even Willie Munro Jr., he knows that they get, they're they a level below him. Yep. Can he raise it? I don't know. But when does that element of fear, it gets you focused, it gets you razor sharp. The David Lemieux fight for Billy Joe did that and he put in one of the best performances I've ever seen. It was absolutely tremendous. I think Carl, Nanita Denaire, that's the level of perform, uh, p- opponent that he needs to get him razor sharp to go, listen, mate, you make a slip up beer, sunshine, this guy can take you out. Absolutely. You need to be absolutely razor sharp. And I think we will see a razor sharp Carl Frampton on that night. I
4: hope so, because he needs it. Because 2018, as I say, for me, is going to be the year of the featherweight division. Because, you know, I'm, obviously Scott's left the studio now, but um, there's so much talent in that weight class as we head into this, you know, we were talking about potentially being a whale boxing super series and the, the Sauron brothers had told us on the show, they were, they were telling us previously that they'd love to do featherweights. Choose eight of the best featherweights on the planet right now. You can't. You have to somebody in, out. They're all in these little elimination tournaments. Scott's in a massive one. Uh, Santa Cruz in a massive one. Selby's in a massive one. And this is a massive one for Frampton. If Frampton doesn't win this, he may miss the boat on the world boxing super series
1: and his career could be on, could stall for a year. Imagine it's that. Crazy. Imagine that. Absolutely imagine that. Massive fight. Um, you are listening to Fight Night on Talksport with me, Adam Castle, my uh, trusted colleague from the uh, Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, Nick Pete is with me in the studio because that Gareth Davis, he's enjoying himself in America. Sorry, he's having sorry. a right old time of it, is the boy. Anyway, we're going to catch up with him next. We're going to have a little bit of a chat with Gareth next on Talksport I'm
5: proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free and I won't forget. You. The men who died Who gave that right to me And I gladly stand up Next to you And defend her still today Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the
2: USA
1: <laughs> Do you know something? My production team have a lot to answer for <laughs> Normally they're red-hot Normally red-hot <laughs> It's insane I'm not going to point the finger at any individual, but this is not mine or Nick's choice. I don't even think this is Gareth A. Davis choice. Gareth wouldn't have gone with this. Uh, Gareth, how are you, mate? You well? I'm, I'm, I'm giggling away at that music. I thought it was
7: some hippie tripe,
1: first
7: mm. of all, actually. I thought you'd have gone really with some uh, gangster...
1: Happy oh. New Year to you as well, mate. I thought you'd have gone with some gangster rap or something like that, you know what I mean, just to get the blood pumping. Oh,
7: definitely. I'm listening. I've just spent... The morning and early afternoon over here in uh, Virgil Hunter's brilliant um, Oakland. It's called the Oakland Gym, but it's in a place called Haywood here in California. And uh, just had an amazing interview with him for an hour that we're going to run out on the show next week. Um, Fascinating stuff about Andre Ward. And I'm going to see Andre Ward this week. Amir Khan I'm speaking to tomorrow Um, it it was fascinating being in the gym. And, right, I'd have preferred kind of Gangster's Paradise or
2: something
1: like that
7: (laughs) having been down there just now because you've got to watch your back down there, put it that way.
1: Listen, you mentioned um, Amir's name there. Now, there's been a lot of him on social media since he came out of the jungle and various things uh, that we're hearing, whether he's going to be fighting, who he's going to be fighting, what he's going to be doing. We're expecting a press conference at some point this week, aren't we, Gareth? What's the latest, mate? What's the word on the street? What's Amir going to be doing next?
7: Well, I'll tell you what the word is on the WhatsApp between me and Amir overnight, OK? We've been WhatsApping. Go I'm going to speak to him tomorrow. Um, we will have an interview for the show next week. He is determined to come back uh, in 2018. I think, you know, by the time he steps into the ring, sadly, it'll be two years almost since mm. he fought Canelo, saw Canelo Alvarez in, in uh, the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas where he was obviously knocked out Horribly knocked out, if you you want to put it that way. Mm. Um, He's told me that he wants to come back and he wants to try and dominate the 147 division, uh, the the, the welterweight division. But let's be honest, since he's been away, look at the changes in the division. Um, You know, uh, Danny Garcia is the guy he should have gone for when he was, I think he'd won five on the trot. Um, two years ago and was mandatory challenger or number one challenger for Garcia at the time. He should have gone for that, but now we've got Errol Spence, Keith Thurman, Terence Crawford moving in, in that direction as well at some point. Um, Crawford's arguably one of the pound-pound fighters in the world. I think Errol Spence will be. It's a really tough division to come back into, and Amir's going to... I talked to Virgil Hunter about him just now. He, I mean, it's incredible what he says about Amir, that he has the skill set that could have made him one of the greatest boxers, but he said he has to love the gym, not the jungle. And I think that's the point for Amir. Mm. Yeah. His stock rose going into the jungle, Adam, Nick, but you know, and he did do a great job in there as David Hay resurfaced his career after his horrible loss to Vladimir Klitschko, but he now mm. needs to get back into action. The danger is he's already so wealthy. Is the hunger still there? And that's the problem for a lot of fighters when they've already made it.
4: Hmm. Yeah, for, I think from a British perspective as well. Surely, there's still only one fight at welterweight yeah. that we want to see, hmm. isn't it, Gareth? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure you're even speak super to welter, it, but come on, let's make the Kel Brook fight happen. That's the fight we want to see as British fight fans. And to be honest, as you've I've just listed off there, there's a top ten in this welterweight division internationally. Most of it dominated by Americans, obviously Pacquiao's in there, Jeff Horn as well. But there's a guys in there that you just struggle to pick out two or three that you'd think Amir would have Amir in his cut. State of mind would be able to beat Cal Brook for me is a real 50-50 fight.
7: No, I agree with you completely, Nick, and I think but I think he might have to go up to mm-hmm. I call it junior middleweight or light middleweight, super welterweight as they now call it, 154 pounds. Um I think mm-hmm. he should be setting his sights on that division, if you like, or as you say, or at least a fight with Cal Brook It still resonates. It um, you know, it's lost its stock a little bit, but yeah. Certainly for a British audience with boxing booming in the UK at the moment and bums on seats in big arenas. Cal yeah. Brook stays at Welter
4: if Amir Khan's available at Welter, I'm telling you now. He I, will I, stay I, at I, Welter.
7: I yeah, but I don't think, Nick, that, that Brook can physically make Welterweight anymore. Mm. I, I think that's the problem. I mean, he's not going to come back down to that division. And, you know, he could starve himself and get back down there for one fight with Amir. And if he did, it would be brilliant. But they may have to even do it, at, say, 150 at a catch weight. No. Um, but you're so right, the fight needs to be made. It's two years overdue, frankly, it's two and a half yep. years. They both right. fought middleweights, remember, and they both got pummeled, you know? Mm.
1: Now listen, lover boy, you enjoying yourself for a whole month whilst you're out in uh, America, uh, whining and dining with all these rich and famous out there, my friend. Now listen, I saw a headline recently and I thought to myself, Gareth's in America for a year, Mike Tyson's opening a new farm. <laughs> I'm putting two and two together here, Gareth. You're not going on a retreat, are you, my friend?
7: Well, look, it was a weird (laughs) thing. No, it is a weird thing because I'm 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 in one of the four cities in the Bay Area at the moment in San Francisco, where you know, marijuana was made legal. They voted for it here. It's made legal on New Year's Day, and of course, the big story is that Mike Tyson, who of course was the most devastating heavyweight we've seen in Mm. the modern era, Um, and then I remember interviewing him with a group of people in London a couple of years ago, and he said. His life would change and he would become, um, you know, he, he, he was living in a Zen-like way, and he was doing it's doing housework. So Rod and Iron Mike Tyson we were calling him Ironing Mike Tyson, um, and now, and now it's go and get high with Mike Tyson. Forty-acre <laughs> weed farm. I mean, it's just extraordinary, really. I mean, you know, look, they're, they're, this this farm that they're creating, twenty acres of of growing. Legal, I hasten to add, because we're broadcasting in the UK, it's completely legal. You've got yep. two partners, and people can go there and learn how to grow and harvest marijuana. So, I mean, you know, here it's it's, it's it's Northern California, it's in California City, it's got the backing of the mayor, Tyson's put his name to it, Tyson Holistics it's called, there's going to be all these medicinal products, wow. and, uh, and people are literally going to go and be um instructed and and learn how to grow marijuana i mean it's a huge i mean it's, it's almost incomprehensible to a british um yeah. Yeah, citizenship that this is going on but it's almost incomprehensible to me when i walk yeah. down the street here i'm in berkeley the very famous university town and there's jars of marijuana in a shop that you can literally go in and buy and it'll never happen in the uk put it that way
1: no, absolutely crazy. And he's it's not, it's not an isolated guy in the fight game to do this because Rumble Johnson packed in the UFC yeah. and he went and did the same thing, didn't he, like, it, Gary? It's like
4: the modern gold rush yeah. in America, isn't it, really? Is this the modern gold rush, is this, you know, the legalisation of cannabis?
7: Listen, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to become a farmer myself. Yeah?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, he's not coming back, not he's going to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's...
7: Listen, I, I spent enough time over the New Year in the Haight-Ashbury area, the hippie area, the Summer of Love going back to 67, where well, the hippie revolution came in in America in San Francisco. You do wonder whether, you know, it, this industry will be very controversial and will yeah. grow enormously. But the, the serious point for sport is that, you know, marijuana is on the banned substance um, for fighters. And, you know, you just wonder, you know, I think the, the whole the, the six states down this side, the western coast of America, Marijuana is, you know, medical marijuana is legal. You know, marijuana is becoming more legal um, for, for, for recreational use. You just wonder whether there's going to come a time when they're kind of, when they're it off, yeah. and, and yeah. it's going to be taken off the band list. Because I personally, my personal view is, having spoken to many fighters over time, you know, you mentioned the UFC just now, Nick and Macy yeah. are advocates of this, Joe Rogan, who commentates that you wonder on the UFC, you wonder. If at some point it will put pressure on Wada to take marijuana off the band list, because you know it, a lot of a lot of fighters are open. I, I can't name anyone right now, but some fighters are open privately in, mm-hmm. in, in in talks I've had with them that after a fight and they are in pain, they do take marijuana as as, as part of the way of kind of relaxing their body afterwards. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. it's going to be interesting to see, that, see how that plays out uh, we'll keep you up to date with you, obviously on, uh, on fight night back to the world of boxing my friend because um, every man and his dog that listens to this show is obviously an AJ fan of course he is we've got the heavyweight champion of the world and he's Absolutely. British so we're celebrating him of Absolutely. course we are um, now we're, we're being told it's 91% there then the day after, it's 92% there. Then it's 93% there. Gareth, come on, give us the lowdown, down, man. When are we going to see Joseph Parker, AJ, going at it in Cardiff? In <laughs> Go on, give me, give me the dates. When's it oh, happening? What's 31st. the latest? Yeah,
7: um, there you go. We just announced the fight. Cardiff starts the 31st. Um, no, I'm not announcing the fight. That's what it looks like. You're right, 93%, because it's rising a percent per day. My prediction is Thursday, Friday, or Saturday next week, hopefully on the day of our show next week, um Beautiful. Eddie Hearn, I've been in contact with him over the last couple of days, and David Higgins. I mean, God, Higgins and Hearn could be on the bloody undercard on that card because they've had so many back and forth over the last couple of months. I'd
1: pay for that. But yeah, Sam, get I'd him in there. Get exactly. him in there. In but, a UFC cage.
7: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we, I think we're talking about a 67 33 split, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it does look like it's going to happen. I think there are a couple of other options they're discussing which could potentially be twicken, but I understand that. They're very, very close to signing the contracts. But what Hearn is saying is if it does fall through, the most likely opponent for Anthony Joshua will be, if, if it's not Parker, will be Alexander Povetkin, which Oof. I think will be very controversial.
1: Massively. absolutely. Listen, we've, I've got, we've just been speaking about marijuana and drugs in general in sport. For me, I'm, listen, mm. I've got very strong views of the way that Ale, uh, Alex Povetkin has... Uh, has gone about his business over the last few years. And for him to be in a mandatory situation at this moment in time, for me, I think it's a bit of a joke, Gareth. I don't know where you're at.
7: I, I am. I, I, you know, I don't think he should have been let back into the sport. We know what, he, what happened with Deontay Wilder. We know about his um, positive tests with uh, Meldonium. Um, you know, yes, he was an Olympic champion, but he is, he is a, a bona fide a drugs cheat. And, you know, we, you don't play fight sports, Um, It's a very, very... It's not like other sports. It's not tiddlywinks. It's not baseball. You know, it's not cricket. It's not... People's lives are at risk. And, you know, I've said this for a long time. Someone's going to test positive one day um, after a fight when someone's been perhaps mortally uh, injured or, 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 you know, we get a terrible tragedy. killed, And we're going to be dealing... We're going to be dealing with a criminal case because I I, I don't believe that fighters should be allowed to take performance-enhancing... Um, drugs and, and get away with being in the sport. They, and certainly in fight sports when you think the average career is 8-10 to 10 years, they should serve a 4-year ban. So it takes half of their career away. Um, I, 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 you know, I really hope the Parker fight is signed um, because it, it will be a test for Anthony Joshua. Parker is dangerous. Um, I think it'll be a great occasion. It's three of the heavyweight belts coming together, four if you count mm. the IBO as well, which is one of the lesser of the five belts, of course. But, you know, I think it, we're expecting another big show. I put a kind of naughty tweet out to Anthony Joshua yesterday.
1: I saw you. I saw you, mate. I saw what you were doing. You get getting yourself a little bit of a luncheon with him. I saw that.
7: <laughs> well, I do. I, I, I think that, um, you know, It was kind of on the back of him not winning Sports Personality of the Year, which I think the whole show was a shambles, frankly. Um,
1: (laughs) Here he goes. He's on one now. Here he goes now. Go on, son. (laughs) The the whole show was a shambles.
7: Clearly, look, nothing wrong with Mo Farah uh, winning Sports Personality of the Year, but not this year. And Anthony Joshua clearly was... Um, involved in two massive events, but one of the very biggest events of the year in April against Vladimir Klitschko at Wembley. It was it was a moment that clearly captured the nation. Um, and I just think that, you know, Jonathan Ray um, finishing above him, Johnny Peacock, and you know me, I'm a huge supporter of Paralympics, delighted for Johnny yeah. Peacock, the, the, the single amputee sprinter, but they got it all wrong. And my piece was just based on the back a little bit of... Uh, and Conor McGregor does the same thing. And I put out a little tweet yesterday to Conor McGregor challenging him to come and do an interview. Um, that, 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 you know, these guys, because of social media, because they are so powerful on Twitter and Instagram, they almost don't need to sit down with journalists. And I've got, look, every Tom, Dick and Harry having a pop at me on Twitter over saying it. No, the media does help fighters because we do disseminate stories and we do create interesting storylines and we are a part... We aren't the part of the story, but we help to create the narrative mm-hmm. of the story. And the media is important. We can't just exist on, on social media. And I think, you know, I, I'd like to see Anthony Joshua get out there a little bit more with the media because I think it might have backfired on him a little bit at Spotty. But look, he, he's a great advocate. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great advocate for the sport. I think he's in for a very, very tough year. Deontay Wilde is a 50-50 fight. If Tyson Fury gets back in his gets into shape and they fight late in the year i still think tyson fury outboxes um anthony joshua but it's it's what's exciting it's our first fight night of the year on talk sports it's one you know we haven't had an event yet guys this is i heard your excitement i was listening to the show earlier on this is going to be an amazing year uh in both mma and boxing it's just so exciting at the
1: moment can't wait listen my man Looking forward to hearing uh, your uh, hour with Virgil uh, on next week's show. Thank you so much for your time, Gareth. Enjoy America. We'll catch up again next week. You are listening to uh, Fight Night on TalkSport. Coming up next, um, we are going to our cultural corner. Mm -hmm. Now then, I have uh, chosen something obvious... But quite topical for today's cultural corner, Nicholas. Okay. Political. Or. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, you, well, basically, like I'm a li- bend to the show. No, also? I'm going to be honest with you, right? I'm concerned with what's going on with America and uh, North Korea. All right. You're genuinely concerned. Genuinely concerned. Okay. These two lads have got a button on each other's desks, and they keep threatening each other with it over social media and various news channels. Okay. So I'm a bit concerned about it. Now, obviously, when you've got a, a cold warish. Standoff, mm-hmm. it starts to making me think of back in the 70s, back in the eighties, when America and the Soviet Union, USSR, were doing near enough the exact same thing. How does that play out in culture in the world of fight sports? Well let me take you to Rocky Four, mate. This is how I'm shoehorning it in. <laughs> Alright? This is how I'm gonna on Rocky Four into yeah. Cultural Corner this week. We're ending week. the show with a bit of Rocky Four. It's kinda it's Fantastic. kinda quite nice because this is the first show. Of the new year. Mm-hmm. Rocky Four. for those that have seen that film, and I'm sure everybody listening to the show has seen that film, Rocky Four is the one between Rocky Balboa and Ivan Drago. Yep. That fight takes place on Christmas Day. That's right. In Moscow. That's right. I like to call it Moscow just for the laugh. Um, but it is basically not only um, a celebration of boxing and athletics and various things the like that. The best dance.
4: training montage in any of the Rocky movies when he's running through the snow with his big leather jacket on. Oh, absolutely.
1: Oh, but it is crazy. also... A metaphor for the Cold War that was happening between America and the Soviet Union. That's right. Just uh, slightly previous. That's right. So, so, I th- so I thought I'd just bring it in because oh, right, it kind okay. of all matches nicely with where we're at at this moment in time. So, Hopefully, they're not going to be making need, another one. So we need this moment between Trump and, you know, North Korea where
4: someone goes, wins a sporting event and comes out with the Immortal line.
1: No, don't if say. I can it. change. Yeah, that's the one. That's where. That's where it's and at. You can change. That's it. Then everybody can change. And that is the thing that stands out the most at the end, where Rocky. Not was only about a fighter that obviously was coming up from the bones of his own backside to become successful and the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah, but this is the time where Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. this at the time was the most successful film out of the franchise and the most successful sporting film, it's brilliant of all time. I think it was eclipsed recently by Blindside, but this made 300 million dollars at the US box office. Yeah, and crossed over from just being a sporting franchise and a celebration of boxing to starting to make political statements. And that is why Rocky IV is today's Cultural Corner.
4: The greatest quote of any Rocky films in that one as well. The greatest quote. I mean, one, and it, and, it, and it works in any fight arena ever since. The best bit of advice ever given by a corner team, when Rocky comes back to the corner he says, I see three of them out there. And Paulie goes, Hit the middle hit one. Hit the one in the middle. That's and exactly. Duke goes, yeah, hit the one in the middle. <laughs> greatest <laughs> advice you'll ever hear from any corner team in any fight.
1: Mm. Uh, Rocky Balboa getting all political there for you. We thought we'd shoot him on it in. You know what I mean? We started the year off with a bit of Rocky Balboa, mainly because I watched it on Christmas Day. Stable.
2: Everybody had gone to bed,
1: mate. Well, it was it's technically boxing night. He's went, which kind of works even better, doesn't it? Kind of works even better uh, when I shoehorned it into my... uh Uh, Christmas period. Uh, We've got quite a lot coming up for you throughout the course uh, of January on Fight Night. Nick's going to be with me uh, throughout the whole course of the month whilst uh, Gareth's obviously at Mike Tyson's farm in uh, in (laughs) California uh, (laughs) enjoying himself but he's going to be catching up with Virgil Hunter as you mentioned uh, uh, Amir Khan and various things like that so you're going to be hearing them uh, on next week's show so make sure you come and join us. We're going to be getting stuck into uh, all the latest boxing news, previewing some of the big fights that are happening as we build up towards Jorge Linares' first title defence. We're hopefully going to see him with uh, Mike He's here at some point this year, but he's got a title defence on the 29th uh, of, uh, of January. Before that, we've got UFC 220. And then as we get into February and start to look forward to Lawrence O'Cohley, a man that's been on the show, he's got bags of personality taking on Isaac Chamberlain, a real grudge match between two prospects. And then we'll be throwing right forward towards the battle of the super middleweights, George Groves. Oh, yes. Defending his world title against the one and only Christian We should get Smith versus
4: uh, news this week as well. Yeah, so hopefully we'll talk hopefully about that we'll. next week. Hopefully we will. Anyway, Enjoy your night. Take
1: care. This has been Fight Night.
6: Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be.